Greetings folk, my name is Nick Spool Engel and today I'm going to be reading out of an Emily Foreman book entitled We Died Before We Came Here, the section towards the end of the book where um, one of the young faithful Muslim uh, brothers that was working with Stephen, Emily's husband, before he died um, and this young Muslim man has been work, was working with Stephen and Emily's Christian NGO in this North African Muslim country and then he continued to work with them and uh, was really touched by Stephen's testimony and he shares some uh, thoughts or we hear some thoughts now about how he wanted to go to the grave um, of Stephen and just uh, it's something that's done in Muslim culture to speak to a person at their grave so that's not really something we do in Christian culture but uh, please hear the the heart of Emily and what is coming through here that Jesus loves Muslims and how they really have reached out and forged these special relationships um, and then some of those Muslims uh, have given given their lives to Jesus as well, which is very meaningful. So let's listen to Emily writing her thoughts. Our NGO work continues under the directorship of our brother, our dear brother Timothy. Along with him, two other men have chosen to help continue the work. One man is a brother in Christ, the other is a young devoted Muslim. Stephen hired Yusuf less than two years before his death. I never had the opportunity to get to know this young man, and neither Stephen nor I had ever met his family. But Stephen told me he was a man of peace. Yusuf is from a wealthy upper-class upper family who have been very ashamed of his choice to work with our NGO in the prisons. Yusuf is an educated man and could easily find a higher paying job, but he has committed his life to working with us and continuing Stephen's legacy. From the time Stephen was killed, Yusuf dreamed of visiting America. After two years of preparation, he was able to get his visa. We were thrilled to have him stay with us in our home. He wanted to see everything where Stephen had grown up, wondering what kind of environment could have produced such a selfless and godly man. Above all, he explained, it has been my dream to visit Stephen's grave. Muslims believe that if you visit the grave of your loved one, you can speak directly to them and God will allow them to hear you. I was blown away. Even the best Muslim doesn't know for sure whether he will be granted entry into paradise. But Yusuf seemed to have no doubt that Stephen was with God. As Stephen's parents and I stood there with Yusuf at the grave, he began to speak to Stephen. Peace be upon you, my friend. I come here to express to you how much you mean to me and to my country. I want to express gratitude on behalf of all the poor that you helped. You helped so many people. On behalf of my entire country and the 1,500 prisoners, I thank you for your willingness to come and live with us and help us. You helped so many, you did so much for. 
He buried his face in his hands and wept uncontrollably. Unable to speak, he just stood there and sobbed. Stephen's father walked over and put his arm around him, and they both wept. Stephen's mother and I also stood. Sure, also stood weeping. Tears are a good thing, folk. Tears show that God is doing something in our hearts. Soften our hearts, Lord. Give us contrite hearts. Take out our hearts of stone. Give us hearts of flesh again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Stephen's mother and I also stood weeping, trying to absorb what was taking place. After a moment, Yusuf regained enough composure to apologize, explaining that in his country and in his religion, it is shameful for a man to cry like this in public. Yusuf, Stephen's mother, said gently, We believe that God gave us this emotion to express our feelings and our love for people. We see now that you did truly love our son. Thank you. I've often been asked, how is it that it was your family who suffered most in this tragedy, yet you continue to come back? The answer is easy. I don't know the men who killed my husband. I tell them, but I know you and I know the people of this beloved country and I love you. And more importantly, I serve a God who loves you passionately. Yes, we will never get over the tragedy we faced. Stephen's, left has le Stephen's death has left a lasting void in our hearts. The loss of a loved one is like an amputation. You will heal and you will learn to function and move on, but you will always have that void. I've experienced pain, but I've experienced healing. I've observed the same gentle healing in my kids' hearts. They miss their dad terribly, yet they are proud of him. They are proud to be his. Each of them has been through their own unique struggles in the healing process. But God has been faithful. We've experienced loss, but we are rich. As Jesus says in Mark 10, 29-30, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. We have many brothers and sisters and families and children that God has given us for our inheritance in North Africa. The richness of relationships that God has blessed us with are precious and too many to count. God seems to be increasing my inheritance in the U.S. as well. He continues to deepen my love for Muslims. Living and sharing life with Muslims for so many years in North Africa made it easy for me to connect with Muslims here in America. I've spent much time enjoying deep friendships with Muslim immigrants and refugees. These are friendships that transcend cultural and religious differences. My burden for them deepens as I witness the struggles they face trying to adapt to our culture and way of life. 
Having once been the guest in a host country, I can empathize with my dear Muslim friends who come here to the U.S. as foreigners needing to learn a language and how to survive in a culture and way of life completely foreign to them. However, the difference between my experience as the foreigner and theirs is that when we were the foreigners in their land trying to learn their language and way of life, they welcomed us with open arms. They understood that we were different in many ways, but most were excited to get to know us and to share their culture with us. Unfortunately, it isn't so for the majority of Muslim immigrants who come to America. Instead of hospitality, they find closed doors, walls, and in many cases, disdain for the Muslim world. Instead of friends, so many find that Americans are afraid and suspicious of them. Why don't you just engage in conversation with Americans so that they know you are peaceful and friendly and a friendly person? I asked my friend Miriam, an immigrant from Morocco. Her reply shamed me. I know how Americans, especially here in the South, feel about Muslims and about my family. I know they don't want me here. I can handle the harsh glares and rude comments, but it hurts deeply to see my children experience it. In my culture, it is the honor of the host to extend hospitality and not to do so would bring tremendous shame on an entire family. Miriam's husband even encouraged his teenage daughter not to wear the hijab so that people wouldn't think ill of her, but his daughter insisted on wearing it. She's proud of her culture and she loves her heritage. My heart breaks for all of Miriam's family. They are some of the kindest, most peaceful, most compassionate people I know. And they sincerely love God. Here in America, they may be the minority, but in the Muslim world, they are the majority who long for peace. The truth is there are terrorists in the world who happen to be of the Muslim faith. There are even those who are moving to America as missionaries. There are extremists trying to change our way of life. How should we as true followers of Christ respond? Is shutting them out the answer? As Americans, we naturally want to preserve our culture, our rights and our freedom. But what if in choosing... The fear that we may lose our country, we actually lose our ability to be salt and light to a lost world. Is it worth it? Sometimes the pursuit of safety can be at odds with doing what is right. Is seeing God's kingdom elevated above our own country? Sorry, is seeing God's kingdom elevated above our own country worth the risk? I'm American, I'm proud to be an American, but my loyalty lies first in my heavenly citizenship. When we die to ourselves, we die to anything that would stand in the way of our lives, bringing honor to God among the nations. As I ponder the struggle between faith and fear, I'm drawn back to a message that Stephen gave as at a gathering in the U.S. only a few days before returning to North Africa and giving his life only months later. When James Calvert went out as a missionary to the cannibals of the Fiji Islands, the ship captain tried to turn him back, saying, you'll lose your life and the lives of those 
with you if you go among those savages. To that Calvert replied, we died before we came here. That's my question for us again tonight. Are you dead yet? Dead to yourself, dead to your own desires, dead to fear. Are we alive in Christ? My desire is that when people see your life, when they see my life, they will see Christ and Christ alone. Let us live our lives as if they weren't our own lives. To truly be strangers in this world, to true to be aliens in this world, our citizenship is in heaven. I've written in my margin here, we are not our own, we've been purchased with a price. That's a scripture. Our citizenship is in heaven. Stephen lived those words and died in those words and lives in those words again. Although the loss of Stephen is one that will never leave us And has changed us completely. We hold on to the promise that God is glorified and that lives are being eternally changed. Because Stephen died before he stepped off that plane in the desert. And we have to continually answer the question that Stephen wrote shortly before his death. Do we have something worth dying for, living for, moving for? To live without purpose is worse than dying. I made a note here in my margin. Jim Elliot, when asked why he was going to uh, preach to and, or to uh, help killer people, he responded and he said, We are ready to die. These people are not ready to die. I just want to pray. Father, thank you for your word, for your promises. Thank you for this ministry to the Muslims. And we just pray. I just pray for that country that you touch people that they would come to know you. I pray for our own nation, all of us that are, are trusting and reaching out and sharing the love of Christ with people. I thank you, Lord, that you touch each listener. May your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives and our world, Lord, as it is in heaven. There's no crying, sickness, fear, shame, guilt, pain, none of that in heaven. So help to make that happen in our lives here on earth, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.